Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by Martin Clark, author of the new novel, The Plinko Bounce. New York Times bestselling author Matthew Quick wrote about the novel, Martin Clark is back stronger than ever. With all the legal tomfoolery of Better Call Saul and the dutiful heart of Longmire, the Plinko Bounce underscores why I've been an ardent Clark fan since the beginning. The man can write. He's funny as hell and his words stand tall with hard-won integrity. Martin, welcome to the podcast. And Jeff, thank you. And um, I, I appreciate the invite and look forward to talking to you. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, The Plinko Bounce, how would you describe the novel? <laughs> Sort of the the John Irving question. Uh, what's your what's your book about? <laughs> I, I think that frequently, and and, and I'm included in, in in this this group. Legal thriller writers write stories, and 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 our 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 plots have what Bernie Mac would call trickeration. There's some <laughs> sort of fraud or corruption or manipulation of the system. You have a dishonest prosecutor. You have a judge who's being strong-armed or blackmailed, or behind the scenes, there is a wicked, brooding corporation pulling the strings. And that's sort of a familiar pattern in the, in the kind of writing that I do, and my books have certainly had that in the past. But this book is about what happens when everyone in the system does his or her job correctly and the system works as it should. But yet we get an outcome that does not track the objective truth. And how should we deal with that both inside and outside of the courtroom? In the Plinko balance, you have a, a very competent defense attorney, a public defender. You have a, a skilled prosecutor or two of them. You have an honest, uh, conscientious judge. And you have a jury um, a com of, of good people who, who try to do the right thing. But yet the system um, it sort of goes haywire and, and we don't necessarily get the, 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 right, uh, the right outcome. That's, that's what the Plinko Bounce is about. That's great. And I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write the Plinko Bounce? I do. Most of my cases have their spark, sort of the tiny genesis from something that I saw in, in a courtroom. And I tried a case in Henry County, Virginia, several years ago, and the defendant was guilty, and we all knew the defendant was guilty. Uh, he knew he was guilty. Um, the, um, his, his attorney knew he was guilty. Uh, the, um, the, the prosecutor knew he was guilty, and I knew he was guilty. We knew he was guilty because he had confessed, <laughs> and, uh, but that confession had been lawyered out of the evidence, and there wasn't a big dispute about it. it the, um, the Miranda warnings were just a mess. Right. So the confession is gone. Once you lose the confession, uh, that has an impact on the rest of the evidence. So the, the stolen goods, in, in this case, I mean, we're talking a couple of chainsaws, a weed eater and something else. They were found at the defendant's house. Um, but that's gone, too. So right. you get a you get a jury and, and the case is sort of. Um, abbreviated or circumscribed such the jury doesn't get the full picture. They, they are, they're getting some circumstantial evidence and, they and the Commonwealth has a testimony of a co-actor. And that never goes well because the, the, the co-defendant has, has made a deal. 
And at the end, the jury did the right thing. Based on the evidence they had, they allowed the guilty to go free. And, and it struck me as I watched that, what an interesting sort of concept. And there's a lot that goes into that mix, into that math. You have a, 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 an attorney who is forced to defend someone who is guilty. And that's, that's an interesting, I think, tension in, in the profession generally. But then you, you have a, a, a jury that is not going to hear the accurate case and as a consequence will give us a, um, a verdict that, that, that doesn't capture what really happened. Um, and I thought to myself, wouldn't that be an interesting template for a novel? And if we take that, that framework and make it bigger, how about a murder case? We're not talking about a, a mistake that involves some, some, stolen, some stolen tools. Uh, wouldn't that be interesting? So that's, that's sort of, um, that's sort of the, the impetus for the book. Well, I'm wondering, can, can you tell us about your own writing journey and what led you to writing your first novel and getting it published? Oh, I, I love writing and I always have. And I've said before, I think people have different passions. And um, I, I've always enjoyed writing. Some people like stamps. Some people like bowling. Some people like um, auto racing. Everybody, I think, has passions. And I've loved writing. I started writing in college. In fact, some of the riffs I wrote in, in college at Davidson turned up in, in my first novel, The Many Aspects of Mobile Home Living. And, and I always point out that I had to really enjoy writing because I received two decades of rejection letters. And, <laughs> and, and I just really enjoyed it. I, I, I like it. I like it to this day. And, 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 and that's sort of how I, I got started. And, and, and I guess in 1999, I had, and my, my agent said, finally, we have somebody who is interested in your book. Yuri Fiskajan at Knopf, we think, wants to buy it. And, and this came after just decades of projection letters. And um, I, I, was, I was just so, so very excited that in, in, in the desperate sort of puerile fashion that I, I operate in so often, I, uh, I, I said, you know, I promise the heavens if, if this book is published, I will give all the money to Stuart Presbyterian University, <laughs> thinking it would be five grand. And, and the book was published. And, um, and I have I have honored that that um, commitment to Stuart Presbyterian Church and still do decades later. <laughs> That's great. Well, I know that you um, are you still working as a judge today? I know that you I'm retired, Jeff, uh, and um, okay. I retired in 2019. I still go to the courthouse. I have a tiny little broom closet office in the bottom uh, <laughs> of the clerk's office. And I go in occasionally. I do just the most minor things. You wouldn't even have to be a judge to do them. Um, but I haven't put a robe on since 2019. I like to say well, I ha have only one full-time job now. Sure. Well, well, how, how was it those years when you were working as a, as a judge while also, uh, juggling your passion for writing and writing novels as well? Writing was a wonderful distraction. I write from about, um, you know, about six o'clock to seven o'clock every morning for an hour. And when I had a day job, that was just, it, it was it would just transport me. I could come in. I had this wonderful hour with different rhythms in my head, different concerns, different characters. And, and since I've always had a passion for it and embraced writing, I really liked it. What I, looking back, what amazes me, I'm, I'm three stops into sort of book tour this time, and I'm so tired. I'm 64 years old now. 
<laughs> and I don't know how in the world I told my wife, Dina, yesterday, I said, how in the world did I do a book tour, write, and do a day job? And the day job was most important. I mean, that came first. And writing books is entertainment. And in a certain sense, it's frivolous compared to dealing with people's freedom and their their property and, and, and everything you, that's, that's wound up in a court system. But um, it never see. I guess you do what you, you, you sort of make everything fit. And um, back in the day, I did it and didn't think about it. But now I, I'm just, I'm worn out and, and, and <laughs> it's, it's three, three sort of local stops and I'm tired. <laughs> well, well, can you, can you talk to us about your writing process when you're working on a novel, such as your new one, the Plinko Bounce? Are you, you the type of writer? I mean, you said you had this idea from, and you talked about earlier this this case that you worked on, where everyone in the courtroom, except for the jury, basically knew that the guy was guilty, but yeah. because of um, our um, you know uh, our legal system, which is there for uh, obvious reasons, um, a lot of that evidence was not able to be presented to the jury. So, when you had that idea, are you someone who sits down and then? does an extensive plot or do you just start with that kind of kernel of an idea and start working on it and just kind of dive into the story or the narrative? Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs. So your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's just that tiny little dot of an idea that, that, that takes hold. And then before I begin writing, I will have the plot in my head from Alpha to Omega. Um, I've become a little more character involved over the years. My favorite writer is Larry Brown, uh, mm -hmm. or was, I guess, Larry Brown. And, and, um, sadly. Sadly. And um, Stephen Usry does a... a um, a radio show in Memphis did one of the last interviews done with Larry Brown. And it's so long ago, he sent me, it was a disc, it was a CD and he sent it to me because he, he knows I'm a fan. Mm -hmm. And Larry said, they asked him about his writing process. And he says, I create really compelling characters, interesting people and quote, I load them up with problems. Well, my writing was always backward as compared to that. 
I would create all the problems and the story and then in, and then put the characters in. But as I've if, as I've done this a little bit more, I, I, I have sort of the plot will not change a whole lot, but how the characters react is more organic. And it certainly was in this book. And and and, and I think that was probably a failing I had sort of early on not to focus enough on on the people in the book and their their troubles, their thoughts and their reactions. Got it. Well, well, what writing advice would you offer for those who may be working on their own stories or novels? Um, Tom Wolfe was my writing mentor, and, and Mr. Wolfe told me that, that the most important thing in terms of writing is seat time. If you're going to do it, it's a job. He also told me that if you write a page a day, you'll have written a novel in a year. And and it's not quite that mechanical and formulaic, but there's some truth to that. Some truth to that. The problem is when I write that page, sometimes it's just wretched, and I end up throwing it away. Mm-hmm. So my advice would be to actually do it, to to actually sit down and write and get in the habit. Uh, there are very few people, and I've gotten to meet so many of of my heroes and so many great writers, and 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 I've learned that most people. There, there are very few people who are able to write based solely on inspiration. You, the, 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 the mood comes on me and I'm going to sit down and, and really just hammer this thing out. And then I'm not going to do anything for two weeks. There are very, very few people who can do that. Most successful writers sit down, go to work, do it every day. You have a place and a time and it is a J-O-B. And so that would be my advice. Just actually do it. Sit down and write. Got it. So are you working on another novel now? Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I always take six months off or so to enjoy uh, book tour and, and the last one that I wrote, uh, a nice little break. And, and I want to write another book. Uh, I'm 64 now, as I mentioned earlier. And so my next book, I would be pushing 70 when it lands. And, and no one wants to sound like Cher on the farewell tour. You know, it's like, <laughs> but. I, I hope I have one more in the tank, and I and I hope that I have something to say that will be interesting. As as we get older, I think we lose a little bit of edge. And speaking of, of Mr. Wolf, who's who on his worst day was probably ten times better at this 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 writing thing than I will ever be. I I, I believe that every day that Tom Wolf lived, he was the best writer on the planet. Not only was he a magnificent writer, and you think about his career, new journalism, the, 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 the phrases that he gave us. Uh, and then people said, well, you know, you, you can't do fic when you write Bonfire the Vanities. An amazing, amazing writer. But he was also so hip and engaged and clever, and he was just culturally wired in. But you know, I, I, I was anxious to read his last book, and I don't know how old uh, Mr. Wolf was when he wrote it. It was called I Am Charlotte Simmons. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it was really good. It was better than anything I'll ever write, but it wasn't the same. And he missed his marks a little bit. And I think when we get a little older, you, that, that tends to happen. Sure. Uh, um, the, the folks I work with this time, by design, uh, are, are very, very young. And, and I really needed that. 
I, I had this one fun exchange when, when my editor is probably 30 years old and she said to me, what in the world does, does this phrase mean, Martin? Smarter than the average bear. Is, is that a bear with great dexterity who can, is really good at removing trash can lids? I said, no, no, it's Yogi Bear. Smarter than the average bear, boo-boo. <laughs> and, and the rejoinder was, well, if we keep going at, at this rate, the only people who will be reading your book will be residents of nursing homes, and the only edition we'll need will be the large print one. <laughs> right. So as we get, you know, as we get older, our, our, our world changes. So to answer your question, uh, I hope to write one more, um, and I don't think I'll ever stop writing because I just enjoy it so much. That's wonderful. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? I just read this book, and I want to make sure that I get this right. And it's, it, I read a book called Paper Targets, and it was published by a tiny press. Um, I want to say Floating Island, Drowning Island, something, something along those lines. And I got an email from someone in Missoula, Montana. My wife and I spent a lot of time there. I, I love fly fishing. So um, we, we stay there most of June so that I can, I can fish. And during my travels years ago, uh, I met James Crumley, the writer. And, and he, he was just such a character. Talk about bigger than life. Um, and he blurred my first book and we became fine friends. I got a note from somebody in Missoula who mentioned the Cromley Connection, said, I really think you'll like this book. And, and I, I think he was the, the owner and, and, and publisher at, at, this, at this company. And I said, yeah, send it along. I'll take a look. And, and he sent me this book. It's written by Stephen Saroff, S-A-R-O-F-F. And it is masterful. It is just the best thing I've read in years, the first five or six pages are worth the price of admission. I had never heard of him. I'm not sure if he's written anything else. It is just, I, I, I wrote this fanboy over the top review that's online and, and it's incredible. That's the best thing. So if you're looking for something to read um, and, and, and you don't want to read the Plinko bounce, uh, by, yeah, by, um, by, by Stephen Saroff's book called, um, Paper targets. It's an amazing, remarkable. I just couldn't believe. I, I I never read things more than once. I never watch movies except Casablanca more than once. But I went back to read it to see see the tricks to see if I could take it apart and figure out how he did it. It's a great book. Wow, that's that's a great endorsement. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your latest novel, The Plinko Bounce, as well as your earlier novels? Yeah, well, since, since I am who I am, I have a Facebook page, and I understand that that's about <laughs> straight out of the town of Bedrock. And so I have a Facebook page. It's just Martin Clark. And, and I have a website, www.martinclark.com. And I'm reminded that nobody says www. anymore, just martinclark.com. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking to Martin Clark, author of the new novel, The Plinko Bounce. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Martin, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, I'm grateful. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me on, and, and, and I appreciate you talking with me. Absolutely.
When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.